Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Yesterday, when I was walking around at the Bollywood party, did you guys notice that big wall where everybody wrote, my vision is, my vision is, my vision is? And if you read the visions that were there, all of those visions were really about serving humanity. Like I didn't see anyone who wrote like, my vision is to make a million bucks in the next one month. Now there's nothing wrong with that. But what I saw is that a lot of people wrote, my vision is to spread happiness around the world. My vision is to awaken consciousness. My vision is to create a healthier world. My vision is to transform parenting. Fantastic. But all of that is way too fluffy. How many personal growth people or coaches or companies or humanity plus businesses do you hear who have great intentions but fail on execution? And because they fail on execution, these great intentions, these beautiful visions don't actually come true in the world. What if we could adopt ideas from companies like Intel, from companies like Google, companies that are incredibly great at execution and apply these to visions that actually transform the planet. Now, the people in this room are transformers. You guys, I don't mean like robots that turn into cars. I mean, you guys are people who are awakening the planet. You guys run humanity plus businesses. And there are some major entrepreneurs in this room. There are guys here who have started multiple Silicon Valley companies. There are women here who have sold their company recently for $100 million. Now, what if we could adopt these execution ideas from great companies like Intel and Google so that whatever is your current dream or your next dream, you could like execute it with deliberate speed. So we're going to talk about how to magnify your personal and business vision with OKRs. Now, OKRs stand for objective and key results. And I'm going to give you an idea of why we want to do this, because these are the big questions that emerge within us when we start hearing the message of having a bold vision. Elon Musk has a bold vision. Men like Larry Page of Google has a bold vision. But when we try doing it, often these barriers come up. The first is, how do we get bold with our ideas without appearing fluffy? Okay, great. You want to create conscious parenting in the world? Awesome. What's your next step? Sometimes the visions are so bold that the next step isn't immediately obvious, and therefore it becomes fluffy. Fluffy visions aren't going to get you investors. They aren't going to get people joining your team. So how do we be bold without being fluffy? The second, how do we avoid the dark side of bold visions, which is where you're so singularly obsessed with that vision that the rest of your life breaks down? Third, how do you make your peers, your teammates, if you run the company, how do you make your team understand your vision? So many entrepreneurs have this mistake. The visions are in their head, and I was there as well, but the team doesn't see the vision because they haven't made it clear to the team. Any of you listen to the recent Mind Valley podcast episode with Cameron Harrell? Incredible episode. Now, he spoke about this. He spoke about how so many business leaders, so many entrepreneurs have a vision that is clear to them, and they just assume that it's clear to everyone else. It isn't. And so there's a lot of unnecessary work happening in a company which is not focused towards the vision. Another question is, how do I ensure I'm working on the right thing for the vision? Okay, so you want to raise the level of consciousness in parenting across the world. Great. Applause. What are you supposed to be doing this week? And that's a big gap that many of us have. So there's this gap between the bold vision and 
What the hell do I do today that prevents us from truly bringing our gifts to the world? OKRs are designed to bridge that gap in a very effective session. So what I'm doing is I'm combining lots of ideas from these books. All of these books have something in common. They talk about bold visions and the power of vision, but they also go into execution. So Measure What Matters is the definitive book on OKRs. Take a picture of this or write this down because I strongly recommend you read this book. Powerful by Patty McCord. She was the woman who wrote the culture deck for Netflix. And she talks about how this concept of creating bold visions that make people feel powerful is the way that automatically creates healthy company culture. Forget perks, forget bullshit terms like empowerment. If you give people bold visions to pursue, you let them exercise their power and they become more loyal to their organization. This is why, as I mentioned earlier, SpaceX is considered the number one company in Silicon Valley for engineers to work for because there's this bold vision. If you're working for SpaceX, holy shit, you are powerful. You are making mankind an interplanetary species. Great people want missions like that. The third book is called In the Plex. It's a great story of Google and how Google formed as a company. Google is a beautifully unique company because they created the Google search engine, but now Google as a company has evolved into Alphabet, a larger company, and Alphabet is looking at everything from providing free internet across the world to self-driving cars to contact lenses that help you detect diabetes. It's incredible, the stuff that they are pursuing. And in the Plex gives you a peek behind the mind of Larry Page. And Larry Page popularized OKRs. So OKR started at Intel, it moved to Google, and Larry Page added his own version of leadership to OKRs, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Finally, Vivid Vision, that's by Cameron Harrell. Cameron Harrell is a phenomenal COO. He's known as the CEO Whisperer. So if you want to read the book, for sure, but if you want to hear Cameron Harrell go into Vivid Visions as a form of leadership, as a tool to align your vision in your head with your team, listen to the recent episode with Cameron Harrell on the Mind Valley podcast. Now, this training applies whether you are a CEO, founder, team leader, or team member. So the art and science of OKRs. OKRs are not just a science. There's an art to it as well, a philosophical art, which is why I love this model so much. Do you guys recognize Andrea Gibbs? So Andrea is an A-fester. She came to A-fest in Sardinia. And Andrea is one of the top people at Intel. She won the Intel Achievement Award for being one of their 0.1% employees. She was part of the team of 10 people that invented the smart television. So Andrea invited me to come to Intel. I got a tour of this incredible company and a lot of respect to Intel. The book on OKRs came from Intel. Andy Grove, he was an amazing CEO. He made the cover of Time magazine. And he turned Intel into one of the most recognizable companies in the world. He helped create the information age, and he did it with this concept called OKR. So I was really proud to be able to visit Intel, see how this company works, and to understand how OKRs emerged from Intel. And then what happened is it seeped into Google because an ex-Intel leader by the name of John Dower had left Intel, started a VC company. He was one of the early investors in Google, and he introduced OKRs to Google. John Dower also wrote the book, Measure What Matters, the definitive guide on OKR. So I strongly recommend if you like this presentation and you want to go super deep, read that book too. Now, OKRs help create a long-term vision with a short-term direction. So you have a long-term vision, but now you know what you need to work on today. And therefore, you are so much more efficient. 
and you're able to execute in this vision in baby steps that eventually predictably get you there. So here's a quick definition, okay? So long-term, typically we think of it as strategic goal setting. It's about knowing where you're going. Short-term is about everyday tasks and projects. It's about doing the right thing versus being busy. One of the biggest things I notice when I sometimes sit down with people in Mind Valley who complain that they are busy, and firstly, this is a common thing, is often it's because either the failure came from my part or from the manager who was reporting to me, there wasn't a clear vision of where we are going. And so people were doing random things that were not aligned. But when we switch to the OKR model, alignment happens. And what suddenly happens is people now know the right thing to do. So it's about doing the right thing versus being busy. And OKRs trickle down to every single person in our company. It starts with the top, it goes down to different divisions, it goes down to every single individual. Every single individual has their OKRs. Now, OKRs were popularized in Google. Google used OKRs to basically become one of the greatest companies in the world. And OKRs, they're designed in such a way where they're aspirational, truly aspirational but they let you know what you need to do directly today to get to that aspirational OKR. There's a story about Google in the book, in the Plex, that shares this concept. So basically, Google acquired YouTube. And the team at Google got together and they came up with a big goal for YouTube. It was almost like a 10-year goal. And that goal was, someday, we are going to stream 1 billion hours of programming on YouTube in a single 24-hour span. That is an OKR. It's an objective, a primary objective. Now, did they achieve that in that first year? Nope. They failed in the second year. They failed in the third year. They failed in the fourth year. But in year seven, they actually hit 1 billion hours streamed. But you see, that goal, that vision drove the team to focus like a laser on everything, every little scientific tweak that was needed on YouTube to make it the dominant TV platform in the world. They figured out how to scale up their service so they could deliver a billion hours. They figured out how to write the right algorithms so that people wouldn't watch a video and bail, they would stay on YouTube. They figured out how to translate YouTube to different languages because to get to a billion hours, it's not just about the US, but about the entire world. That single objective trickled down to everybody in YouTube and they became one of the most successful technological innovations in our world. And so Google really popularized this OKR concept. So it was invented by Andy Grove, popularized by Google, and it's different from management by objectives. We might go into the differences later, but now let's go into how do we go from your bold vision to your execution? Now, the first thing is, if you're running a company, CEOs, founders, or if you're running a team, you start with an aspirational core purpose. So a lot of people confuse mission, vision, core purpose. Cameron Harrell says it very simply. He says, forget mission, forget vision. People toss around those words and people have different definitions. Focus on just one. Why do you do what you do? Call that your core purpose. That's your mission and your vision all bundled into one. Why are you doing what you're doing? I took this photo yesterday. You can see that a lot of people here wrote down, my vision is to increase the energy vibration. My vision is to help people who help people grow. My vision is to give my energy freely to those who need it. My vision is to love the people. My vision is to unify humanity by crossing cultural barriers. Fantastic. 
But if that is really your vision and that's really important to you, how are you going to execute on it? Our vision used to be fluffy. Our vision at Mind Valley, our core purpose used to be to help spread enlightened ideas. Awesome. I could start a blog and start blogging and great, I'm spreading enlightened ideas. Big freaking deal. That was a mistake. I had that for about 10 years and I wish a good mentor had sat me down and said, vision, vision, you're going about this all wrong and like shook me till I adopted OKRs. We'll probably be double the size we are right now. But this is our core purpose right now, to create the biggest rise in human consciousness our species has ever experienced by 2038 through the transformation of spirituality, politics, education, work, and parenting. Really specific. From that I know, I have 20 years, so whew, no pressure, that we literally are talking about creating the biggest rise in human transformation. Simply setting up a blog isn't going to do that. The biggest rise. And that we're looking at these five pillars, which means... I got to start figuring out how to reform global politics, how to reform global spirituality, how to reform education and work and parenting and start finding the right people and the right experts. But it's still only a core purpose. It doesn't tell me what I need to do today. So there's another step. And that second step is you break your core purpose down into aspirational objectives. Now, in the course of this presentation, I'm going to give you time to go deep and emerge with your core purpose. But before we get there, so I hope you guys have your journals, I want to break down the process for you so you see the next, the next, the next step. Okay, so you have this big core purpose. Now you break it down to aspirational objectives. Now, aspirational means to inspire people, to get people excited about their work. Here is how we break down our core purpose, which is this, into an aspirational objective. So I'm actually openly sharing Mind Valley's business plan with you. Feel free to take what you want. Feel free to emulate it. Because look, if we want to create the biggest rise in global consciousness, we need allies. You see anything here you like and you want to solve this for us? Go ahead. Make it part of your company's mission because we win together. So we break it down into five primary objectives. And the objectives are this. Number one, scale to a billion users. Thus far, there have been less than 10 companies in the world that have gotten a billion users. Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, all owned by Zuckerberg, are three of those companies. YouTube is another one. We want to scale to a billion users. Number two, we want to create a platform to accelerate human transformation. Number three, we want to make organizations, which we define as schools and companies, into an oasis of wellness. Because today, work extracts from us. Work makes us sicker. We want to change that. We want to create a global tribe of change makers. By the way, that has to do with you. And fifth, we want to turn Mind Valley into a love mark. A love mark is a particular type of brand that has such a resonance with its customers that people are tattooing it on their skin. So we're going to go deeper because these five things are aspirational, but again, they don't really tell you if you're on the right track. They don't really tell you what to do today. However, what they do is they help us break up our grand core purpose into five steps. Okay, so now we go deeper. You take those five objectives and you break it down into measurable key results. This is really the essence of OKR. Core purpose leads to objective, leads to key result. So let's look at scale to a billion people. That itself is too fluffy. But when we break it down into these five key results that we are aiming to hit by 2038, it now becomes crystal clear. We need a billion user accounts on the system. We need to reach 200 monthly active users in a given month. 
That's huge. LinkedIn has 140 million. We want to hit 200 million. We want to grow from three languages to 100 languages. We want to grow our reach from 5 million to 500 million. And we want to attain 50 million paying students annually who bring in 5 billion in revenue. So you see, now it's super specific. It's bold. It's ambitious. We have no fucking idea how to get there. But that's the point. Your job isn't to look at where you are right now and then figure out, based on my knowledge, based on what I have right now, hmm, I should be here. That's a bullshit way of setting goals. Rather, you got to look at where you could be, set that as the goal, and then trust that intuition, that the right people, that the right opportunities come to you, that you're going to study, you're going to learn, you're going to develop the skills, the connections, you're going to work your freaking ass off, but you're going to get to that goal. You do not need to know the how. You simply, at this point, need to know the why and the what. The how is going to come with the right OKRs. So we have these five goals, and we have some idea on how to get to 1 billion users. For example, we are launching an app platform that allows us to create world-class apps in every category we want faster than the competition. So that's one of our hows. But ultimately, the thing that pushes us forward is scaling to a billion users being the same size as a company like YouTube or Facebook, but for transformation. Okay, now here's another example. Create a platform to accelerate human transformation. It's a primary objective, but it's fluffy until you break it down. And we break it down into these three things. Attain quest completion rates from 60% to 80%. Maintain an NPS of 70. Develop a data-driven dynamic curriculum for upgrading the human experience. Now, we break it down. And We define this to our engineers, so it may be unclear to you, but as long as our engineers know what we mean by data-driven dynamic curriculum to upgrade the human experience, we can move in the right path. So you're going to go through the same process. You're going to start with a core purpose. You're going to break it down into five objectives, primary objectives. You're going to further break it down into key results. Now let's look at number three, make organizations an oasis of wellness. It sounds fluffy until you add the two key results. We want Mindvalley to be embedded in 100 national schooling systems. And number two, we want to be in every Fortune 500 company in the world. Now, what you do is, as you break it down, you align this across all your teams. So you have your company-wide OKRs, and that is what your leadership team, what your founding team is obsessed with. But you break it down into individual teams. So Mindvalley's OKRs give a direction to everybody in our core team. But we take those five elements and we break them down further for individual teams. So for example, create a global tribe of change makers. That particular OKR, which is OKR number four, which is really the act of creating change makers here through events like Mind Valley University City Campus and AFES, we take that and we break that down further. And we have a team that's dedicated directly to that, a global campus division. So they have their OKRs and I'll show you what those look like. So create a global tribe of change makers is broken down into these four steps. So what it means is connect 300,000 students globally. These are people like you. Retain 99% of our members each year by making the Mind Valley community an essential part of lives. Turn members into change makers. You can see that we haven't figured out how to measure that yet. So we put measurable to be set. Develop a Mind Valley campus in 10,000 cities with 120,000 events annually, including talks, meetups, and masterminds. That's coming. Mind Valley is going to be in 10,000 different cities. Good news is when you hop in that plane and fly back, know that within a few years, there will be Mind Valley meetups in your hometown. And we're going to be working with you to bring it there. 
So these become four really powerful key results that the global campus team is working on. Now, how does that now translate to someone's day-to-day responsibility? So we take the global campus team, which is a merger of actually four different teams. Let's look at Miriam's role. So you have the global campus division. Now that is broken into authors, campus, events, membership, with a leader in charge of each, Miriam, Kadi, Laura, Agatha. And now you look at authors and that's further broken down into Miriam's OKR. So you see, you don't have one set of OKRs for the company. You have company-wide. This breaks down into teams and this breaks down into an individual OKR. So for authors, it looks like this. Now you can see how it's becoming day-to-day. The 20-year goal is broken down into a one-year goal, key results for Jan 1st, 2020, and that's broken down into key results for Jan 1st, 2019, which is what Miriam has to execute in the next 60 days. So you can see she has to sign 10 new quest authors, super measurable, super specific. She has to move Mind Valley into two new mega niches. One will be parenting. We've already decided. We have to get 25 authors on our podcast, 24 authors filmed for mentorship. And for 2019, she knows she has to complete a parenting deal and bring on seven new podcast authors. It's super, super, super specific. Imagine if everybody in your company had this level of clarity. Now you get to focus like a laser on what truly matters, knowing that what you're focused on moves upwards to a team OKR, moves upwards to a company OKR, and directly contributes to your core purpose. Okay, so here's how OKRs help teams, right? Communication hub. Everyone has transparent visibility into everyone's contribution and impact. So all our OKRs, we use a web platform called Seven Geese, sevengeese.com. It lets you put everybody's OKRs on one giant engine and everybody can see everyone else's OKRs. This philosophy actually started at Google. I was talking to a friend of mine who works at Google. He opened up his Google app internally for employees and he said, who do you know at Google? And I mentioned a name and instantly he's able to look at and show me what exactly they are working on. So everyone can see everyone else's OKRs. Now, when you know someone's OKRs as a leader, you can coach. Team leads can coach their team members on how to best contribute to business success. Coaching is very important. Google did a study and they found that the best leaders, the quality that made them best leaders is that they were coaches. They were coaching people and helping educate people to get better. Third, Value, alignment, focus. Everybody can see how their contributions are valued and aligned to each other. And the cool thing about this is, every now and then as you're doing this, you will realize that there are certain people on the team who are doing jobs which are no longer needed. When you have OKRs as a philosophy, you can eliminate those tasks. It doesn't mean eliminating the person. You would simply move them onto a role that is more aligned with the core purpose. And number four, collaboration. Cross-functional team collaboration now is brought to light and opportunities are highlighted. Teams now can see when they are contributing to a OKR that's across multiple teams and they can collaborate better. So even an event like AFES is actually not put on by one team. You have Laura, who is running our events team, but there are three or four other teams which are collaborating on AFES in unique ways and everybody can see that alignment. This is how we're able to execute on incredibly complex projects such as the 30-day university, which is essentially AFES, but spanning one entire month for 1,100 people. Now, this is what happens when you bring in OKRs. These are the big benefits. And a lot of these come from measure what matters. First, focus and commit. Everybody 
now has focus. Everybody commits to their goals. So that focus and that commitment make you a more efficient organization. Number two, alignment. This is the best part. Everyone is aligned to everyone else. This is a really beautiful example from the book, Measure What Matters, right? So what you're seeing over here is an example of an OKR from a team that's looking to win the Super Bowl. So the primary objective is win Super Bowl. And that is the head coach's primary objective. And he has three key results. The first one is passing attack amasses 300 plus yards per game. The second one is defense allows fewer than 17 points per game. And the third one is special team units rank in top three in punt return coverage. Now, you don't have to know American football. I have no freaking idea what that means. I wish Americans who wrote books would pick a game that's more friendly to the rest of the world, like basketball or tennis or Monopoly. So now you have these three key results. Now, the head coach knows that he needs three people on his team to pursue each of these key results. And notice, the head coach's key result becomes the objective of each of the three people on his team. So he hires an offensive coach whose objective is really the same as head coach key result number one, generate 300 yards per game passing attack. And that gets broken down into three steps. So immediately you see a beauty here. If you're leading a team and you know what your three objectives are, now the people on your team, each of them are working on one objective. And they further take that and they break it down into three. Now, measure what matters. John Dower says you always pick between three and five. That's the sweet spot. If you go fewer than three, maybe you need to push yourself to think of a third one. If you go more than five, you've missed the point. You're lacking focus. Three to five is the sweet spot. Okay, so this way you're now creating teams which are super aligned, like ridiculously super aligned. And everybody knows what their goals are. So let's look at the defensive coach. He's working on the head coach's OKR2, which is defense allows fewer than 17 points per game. Now the defensive coach takes that makes that his objective, sticks it in his wall or somewhere, and breaks it down into his three key results. Allow fewer than 100 rushing yards per game, increase number of seeks to three plus per game, develop a pro Bowl cornerback, whatever the hell that means. And now he can execute on that, and maybe he might raise his hand and say, hey, I need a person working on my key result number three because otherwise I'm gonna miss the mark, and that's acceptable too. This is how healthy teams get built. Now, the next tip is you want to stretch for amazing. This was a very important thing introduced by Larry Page. Larry Page is the founder of Google. A lot of people think that Google was started by Larry Page and Sergey Brin, but if you read the book In the Plex, what it says is that Larry Page was really the primary founder. Sergey Brin was a great supporter, but Larry Page was that visionary. Larry Page and I went to the same university, the University of Michigan. We both went to the same computer engineering school. And he was about four years more senior than me, so we never crossed paths. But Larry Page, in the book In the Plex, speaks about how he learned to dream big. It was a summer program he took at Michigan called Leadership. I took that same summer program when I was 19 years old, so I know what he's talking about. It's a summer program that creates leaders who dream really big. And Larry Page credits Leadership with changing the way he thinks about the world. I went through the same program, and I can tell you, it also gave me that concept of big vision. Now, Larry Page enacted this rule in Google. In all of your OKRs, 50% of your OKRs must be so bold that you don't know if you're going to succeed. 
So it looks like this. There are two types of OKRs, committed and aspirational. In Google, 50% of OKRs must be aspirational. And aspirational means these OKRs are so big, so forward-thinking that you have a 50% chance of failure. We adopted the same thing in Mindvalley. So let's first talk about the difference because you're going to do this when you write down your company OKRs. This is how you have a realistic business plan, but you're also pushing and stretching to do what might be massively big goals that are going to inspire and capture the imagination of people. So committed objectives are tied to Google's metrics, product releases, booking, hiring, customers. Managers set them at the company level, employees at the department level. In general, these committed objectives, such as sales and revenue goals, are to be achieved in full within a set time period. Those are committed objectives. In Mindvalley, a committed objective is run AFAS Bali, generate X number of tickets, X number of revenue, X NPS score. That's it. It's a committed objective. The team knows that they do this every year, and these are the objectives that they have to hit. However, if we were just doing AFEST every year, we eventually as a company would stagnate. We wouldn't be growing. So we set an aspirational objective, and that is Mind Valley University City Campus. So this is an aspirational objective. They reflect bigger picture, higher risk, more future tilting ideas. They originate from any tier and aim to mobilize the entire organization. By definition, they are challenging to achieve. Failures at an average rate of 40% are part of Google's territory. So Google actually fails on 40% of its aspirational objective. I mean, you'll remember Google Wave, it failed. Google Social Network, Google Plus, totally failed. But at the same time, Google gave us Gmail, Google gave us YouTube. If you are afraid to fail, you aren't going to make radical innovation. When we started Mindvalley University City Campus, Laura and Cardi, who were collaborating with me to bring this sport, this was a crazy idea. And there was a strong possibility of failure. And actually in Mindvalley, I can tell you, it's around the same statistic, roughly 40% of our crazy ideas fail. But if we weren't taking that risk to create crazy ideas, knowing that it's acceptable to fail, we wouldn't be innovating. And that's a really important lesson. So, you want aspirational objectives in the mix. 50% of your OKRs must be aspirational. That's how we are able to create Mind Valley City Campus. That's how we're able to create these really bold things like the Quest app, because failure becomes acceptable. Failure becomes safe in the company. OKRs make failure safe. And as we go deeper, you're going to see why. Now, the final thing is track for accountability. How do you track a person's movement towards an OKR, because you want to create an organization that's accountable. So this is what it looks like. This is a sample tracking sheet from Measure What Matters. So an important thing about OKRs, how do you make failure safe? Do not tie OKRs to compensation or bonuses. You completely separate them. You see, as soon as you tell your people that their bonus or their comp is tied to their OKR, what are they going to do? They're going to set achievable goals. You're going to create pressure. And so even at Google, at Intel, your OKRs are not tied to your comp because they want people to stretch. They want people to risk. And failure shouldn't mean that you get demoted or that your salary gets cut. You want to make failure safe. So a really fascinating concept of OKR, and this is how it's so different from the older school management by objective, is that your people rate themselves. 
you do not grade them. They grade themselves on how they achieve their OKR. So let's look at this example, right? So let's say you have four different salespeople and all of them had an OKR to bring in 10 new customers this month. Now you can see all of them have graded themselves and they've written a self-assessment. In the progress bar, one person hit 70%, which means he brought in seven customers. One hit 100%, which means 10 customers. One hit 80%, one hit 90%. And they grade themselves on a scale of zero to one. Now look at the first line. The guy whose goal was to bring in 10 new customers, but he only brought in seven or 70%, he gave himself a 0.9 score and he explained why. Due to a slump in the market, the OKR was significantly tougher to achieve than I thought. Our seven new customers represent an exceptionally good effort and outcome. So he gave himself a 0.9 and you're allowing people to do that. Now look at the guy who actually hit 100%. That's row number two. You would think he'd give himself a 1.0, but no, he gave himself a 0.7. And he said, when I reached the objective only eight weeks into the quarter, I realized I'd set the OKR too low. He was giving himself a lower score because he realized he had set a goal that was too small. That's a brilliant person. You want people like that. Number three, bring in 10 new customers. He hit 80%. So he brought in how many? Eight. He gave himself a 0.6, an unusually low score. And what he said is, while I signed eight new customers, it was more luck than hard work. One customer brought in five other behind her. Beautifully honest. Look at the final guy. He hit 90%, so he brought in nine customers. He only gave himself a 0.5. Though I managed to land nine new customers, I discovered seven would bring in little revenue. Again, honesty. See, when you give people the opportunity to self-assess, if they lie, they're lying to themselves because they're grading themselves. And so they're more honest. They are willing to take risks because they know that they are being rewarded for their overall character by the ability to dream big, knowing that sometimes when you dream big, you are inevitably going to fail and knowing that their salary isn't going to be docked, their bonus isn't going to be taken away. You're making failure safe. Now, let me ask you a question. Look at that. If you could hire one of these four people, who would you hire? One, two, three, or four. The majority of people said they would hire person number two. So you can see that even if you are the founder or the CEO, you still get a sense of how people are doing. And so it doesn't mean that because people are self-scoring themselves that you have no way of figuring out who are your potential future leaders. Now, here's how to get started. We're going to take you through an exercise where you're going to discover your core purpose. Then you're going to write the overall objective. Then you're going to go into the key result. This is what goes into a great OKR. Stretch targets that work for you. 70% of more means met expectations. So when you set an objective, for example, one of our objectives is be in a hundred schooling systems. As long as we hit 70%, which is 70 schooling systems, that's considered a green. The 70% rule comes from Google. Google says to the employees, you don't have to hit 100%. As long as you hit 70%, you give yourself a 0.7, and that's considered a green light. If it's below between 0.5 and 0.7, it might be a yellow light. If it's below 0.5, it's a red light. Okay, so 70% is already considered healthy. So again, you're not forcing people to directly hit the goal. You're forcing people to get as close as they can. If you ask them to directly hit a goal, you hijack the creative process because now people, they just start getting obsessed with data science and research to figure out what that exact goal would be when the world is so unpredictable. So you make it 70%. Every objective has a corresponding key result. There's a baseline measurement to move away from or towards. So what this means is sometimes your OKRs are not about hitting a particular number. It's about moving away from something. So maybe you have a 20% refund rate on your product. You want to move away from that to a 5% refund rate. 
that becomes an objective. And finally, things that you can measure may be revenue, growth, performance, quality, or engagement. These are all five great things to measure about any business process. Now, let's go back to the Mind Valley OKRs and let's use this as an example. Look at number two: create a platform to accelerate human transformation. Okay, so this breaks down into these four measurable key results, and this becomes the guiding post for our team that's filming authors, our team that's building technology, and our team that is designing programs. All of these teams are collaborating. To hit those numbers, now notice there were four OKRs there. The magic is really three to five. So when you do this exercise, you want to pick between three to five. Do not go beyond five. You'd have to merge one or remove one, and do not go below three. It means you want pushing yourself to really go deeper. Now here's an example of how to write down your OKRs. So you can see the difference between weak, average, and strong. Let's look at the first one. Win the Indy 500. Key result: reduce pit stop time. You can see why that's weak, because you could reduce pit stop time by making people do a shoddier job. And what if your race car driver is going around a bend and a tire flies off because at the pit stop someone forgot to add an extra screw because they were looking at reducing pit stop time? So that is a weak set of OKRs because they are not holistic. So you go to number two: win the Indy 500. Increase average lap speed by two percent. You see that's super specific. Reduce average pit stop time by one second. Again, super specific. But you go for to the strong list, and you add key results that also take into account quality. So you see, reduce pit stop errors by fifty percent. Not just reduce pit stop time by one second. Reduce speed and reduce errors. Now there's no risk of your race car driver going around that bend and having that tire fly out because. You've created holistic OKRs, so you're going to look at not just measures of targets or quantity, but measures of quality. So, defining your core purpose. Let's start here. This is the Mind Valley core purpose: to create the biggest rise in human consciousness our species has ever experienced by 2038 through the transformation of spirituality, politics, education, work, and parenting. Now, what I want you to do is to actually work with me. And define your core purpose, and then we're going to focus on executing towards your core purpose with OKRs. So, I want you all right now to take out your journal. I want you to start thinking about your core purpose. Why is it that you do what you do? Why does your company exist? Why do you exist? What is that core purpose? Try to put it down in one line, and don't worry if it seems fluffy at first, because later we're going to go into objectives and key results, and we're going to give it. More tangibility. We're going to give it more structure. But right now, I simply want you to reflect on what you've learned right now and see if there's anything else you want to add to that core purpose to make it more tangible. Would anybody like to share what they wrote down as their core purpose? Hello, my name is Inez Jones. My core purpose is to heal the world via music, via love, via money, via hope. And I also wrote down my mission because I was trying to make sure that they were linked. But my mission. Is to inspire people to live life on purpose, pursue their dreams, and achieve financial freedom. Okay, so if you follow Cameron Harrell's advice, you don't need a core purpose and a mission; just merge it into one. Otherwise, it gets confusing. Cameron Harrell actually says that we often confuse our team by having a core purpose, a vision, a mission. Frickin' just merge it all together into one. Another example. My name is David. I put to combine virtual reality and transformational tools together to assist humanity and teach. 
breathing, meditation, and healing in immersive environments. That's amazing. Forgiveness, compassion. That's beautiful. Next. Hello, I'm Matthew. I run a health club in Melbourne, and my core purpose is to evolve our beautiful space for people to flourish in their true nature. Okay. Evolve a beautiful space of people to flourish in their true nature. Okay, so that one, I would say you need to make it a little bit more definitive. You need to define a couple of things there. Now, here's why this is important. One of the biggest secrets to getting people to join your company, to getting allies, to getting the right business partners, according to Cameron Harrell, is to get clear on that core purpose and then be public about it. But if your core purpose is only something that you understand, like when you said nature, do you mean human nature or like environmental nature? It's not clear. If your core purpose is only something that you understand, you can't make it public. If you go to the Mind Valley website, careers.mindvalley.com, you'll see that we're very open about our core purpose. And when you are open about it, people who align with it can now submit a resume. They can decide if they want to partner with you. In our case, authors who are aligned with it know whether they want to work with us or not work with us. So, yes. Hi, I'm Ricardo. We are in Solar Energy, so this is what I wrote. Connect investor capital with human talent, ultimately aiming and managing global resources with respect and gratitude. That's good. I think it can get better, and we're going to explore how we can make it better later, but that is a good first step. Next. Hey, thanks for helping me get more clarity on this. My core purpose is to co-create communities that are in balance with nature by upgrading the global business culture scape and investing in the infrastructure that supports our well-being. Okay, fluffy. Because when you say infrastructure that supports our well-being, what are you talking about? Are you talking about physical spaces? Are so, you talking about medical infrastructure? Yeah, I was having some challenges because I have an immediate next step that I know I'm building. Right. I'm just launching this business now. So I know over the next years, like what are the programs that I'm launching, but the business changes in three to five years in my mind where there's physical infrastructure in three to five years and within the next three That's years. That's awesome. Now you're getting clearer. Now we had the same problem when we said create the biggest rise in human consciousness by 2038. Some people were like, what exactly do you mean by human consciousness? So we had to define it and get more specific, right? It means transforming education, transforming work, transforming spirituality, transforming parenting. And then if you go into the key results, it explains how that happens. So sometimes by adding a little bone layers to it, you make it more concrete. But a good core purpose should be something that the world can understand. So you're not using internal business language or language unique to you. You have to use language that people understand. And you can make it a little bit longer. You can add points like we did. Raising consciousness means transforming these particular levels of human society. Let's take one last one. Simon from Los Angeles. So an OKR for my business is to be a key contributor to humanity's interplanetary travel with the American Martian Space Program by 2025. Phenomenal. That's very clear. Now, you can see anyone who is fascinated by that knows that they want to ally with you, right? Great. So that's clear. So what you did was the core purpose. Next, from the core purpose, we're going to break it down into OKRs. So these are some of the key rules for OKRs that John Dower, and I took John Dower's ideas and I added some of my own and some from some other thought leaders. And these are the rules for OKRs I want you to pay attention to. So... When you go into the next step of the exercise, which is taking core purpose and turning it into OKRs, these are the things you want to pay attention. The first is less is more. What's the magic number? 
three to five, right? Second, measurable with no debate. What this means is when you go down to your key results, anybody should be able to conclude whether that key result is successful or not. So you won't say, improve the quality of our customer service. How do you know? How do you measure that? But you can say, improve the quality of our customer service so our nice reply agent score goes up from 83% to 97%. That's directly measurable. Don't get obsessed by how you measure it. As long as you can measure dimension of customer service, you can move towards the game. Now, third, self-scoring with 0.7% green. So let's look at that earlier example, right? You want to go from 83% customer score to 97% customer score. That is 14 points increase. Now, if you have a 12-point increase, that's within 70%. Your team still gets a green light. So this is the model that Google uses. Sometimes there's no way to get super specific because you don't know what global situations or what exponential technological change. The world is so unpredictable right now. But as long as you can get 70% of the way there, it's a green light. So you can look back at this example and you can see that in this table, which I showed you earlier, you can see that the different people in your team are scoring themselves from zero to 1.0. And as long as they are getting 70% of the way there, they are giving themselves a green light. But even if they got a red light, it doesn't mean that they are a failure. It doesn't mean that you sack them because you're looking at a self-assessment. Someone who sets a really bold goal may end up with a score of 0.2 because the goal was bold. But those people are the innovators you need in an organization to take you to new levels. Now, this one is really interesting. 50-50 up and down. Here's what this means. So let's say I'm setting OKRs with Cardi, who runs Mind Valley University City Campus. 50% of the OKRs come from the top, which means comes from me, because she reports to me. 50% comes from her and her team. 50-50. The OKRs shouldn't all come from the bottom, because then you have misalignment. And they shouldn't all come from the top, because then you don't have buy-in. So we call this the 50-50 rule. It's just a rough measure. 50% top, 50% down. Now, number five means stay flexible. Things are always going to change. You may set OKRs for a year, and in quarter one, you realize that that particular app isn't going to be successful. What do you do? Well, you scrap it, and you move on to something else. OKRs require you to stay flexible. Companies like Google are lean and flexible. Six, teams align. So here's how we do that. Every team, they create their OKRs on Google Docs, and we stick it into a shared Google Drive folder. So it's free, anybody can use this. Every individual can see every team's OKR. There's one simple OKR folder for the entire company. There's a Google Doc for our company-wide OKRs, a Google Doc for a global campus, a Google Doc for our Quest app, a Google Doc for technology. Every team can see each other's Google Docs and everybody has comment access, which means Jason from one team can look at another team's Google Doc and go, hey, you know, I'm questioning this. And he can highlight it and leave a little comment. And another person from the team can go and reply to that comment. Within your first day at Mindvalley, as long as you have a mindvalley.com email address, you can access all our Google Docs and OKRs, and you can actually add a comment and question something or seek clarification on something. This forces everybody, including myself, to be accountable. 
So this morning, I was looking at one of our OKR docs, and I saw that Jason Campbell, whom we met yesterday, had written a comment questioning something. Phenomenal. My job is to resolve that. And all of this is free if you're using Google Docs. How many of you here use Google Docs? Google didn't just give us OKRs. They accidentally gave us one of the best ways to manage them, which is Google Docs. If you want a fancier solution, what we use is 7Geese. Seven 7Geese seven is an HR solution that actually allows all the companies to see not just the team OKRs, but the individual OKRs. Now, number seven is think big and dare to fail. Remember, the 50% stretch rule, half of your OKRs should be so aspirational that there's a 50% chance of failure. So half of Mindvalley's OKRs, we actually know that it's a coin flip. We may win, we may lose, but it gives us permission to play big. Number eight, OKRs are a tool, not a weapon. And what this means is you cannot use OKRs to punish people, to take away a bonus, to promote. OKRs are not designed for that. OKRs are designed to be a tool for clarity, for alignment, for getting your company to pursue bold things, not a weapon for controlling people. And number nine, OKRs have to be holistic. So remember, one of the questions we face is, how do we prevent singular obsession with a goal? How do we prevent becoming like Elon Musk, incredibly obsessed with a goal to the point where our own health might break down? Well, one of the things we do at Mindvalley is we create a holistic type of OKR. Every individual should have five OKRs, three to five, but at least one of them has to be a personal goal related to their transformation. So for example, in my executive team, my CHRO Ezekiel, he's a mixed martial arts fighter. So one of his OKRs relates to mixed martial arts. Al Su, who is my product manager, she has an OKR related to holotropic breathwork. Shitej, who is here at AFES, he's our CRO, Chief Revenue Officer. He has an OKR related to completing his EMBA program. My OKR is training for the Spartan race. So all of us have an OKR that's directly related to our transformation. If you do not do this, what happens is you create unhealthy obsession with pure business aspects at the expense of humanness, at the expense of your body, your mind, your health, and that can create mass dysfunction. Studies now show that health in a company, health, well-being, mindfulness, has some of the highest correlations with people actually achieving sustainable results. If you watch the recent Impact Theory interview that appeared yesterday, actually, on Impact Theory with Tom Bilyeu. So Tom Bilyeu brought me back on Impact Theory, and we debated. Tom Bilyeu believes in hustle. I think hustle is bullshit. I think balance, flow, structure is how you attain success. So we disagreed there respectfully, but I think a big problem with business today is this idea that it's all about hard work. It's about busting your butt on 120 hours a week of work. To me, that creates extreme dysfunction. And so I tell people who join Mindvalley, look, if you have to work more than 50 hours on your job, you're probably too stupid to work here. And they get the message. And everyone, we actually invest a crazy amount of time ensuring that they are achieving their health goals. So for example, the average man that joins Mindvalley in the first year will lose about five kilograms. By year two is often a serious gym practice or is training for a Spartan race. The same happens to many women. And the reason is because healthy people create healthy cultures. And healthy cultures are going to help you achieve your goal better. So holistic OKRs are really important.
Now, the final one is, does it help you structure? Does your OKR help you understand how to organize your company, how to organize divisions? When we started doing OKR, something really interesting happened. We realized that certain divisions and teams in the company did not have to exist. We eliminated those teams and got everyone different jobs. We also found out that certain teams had to be broken apart because their OKRs were too different. For example, when we had our customer support team do OKRs, we realized that we needed to break them into two teams. One team focused on support, one team focused on customer experience because the OKRs were very different and the skills needed in the leaders were different. So OKRs will actually help you create a more scientific, organized, structured system for your business. You'll know who to hire, who you need to move to a different location, what departments you need to break apart or merge. It really is a beautiful system. Okay, so these are the rules I want you to remember. Now, you've created your core purpose. Now you want to take your core purpose and define a set of primary objectives, three to five primary objectives to help you get to your core purpose. Now, what goes in a good primary objective? Here are a couple of tips. In the objective, you want to add the reason why you do what you do every day. You want to challenge yourself to stretch your capabilities. You want to align to a parent objective. Here's an example of good objectives versus bad objectives. So a good objective is launch an awesome minimum viable product. A poor objective is double users. Because what if you're doubling from five to 10? That's insignificant. A good objective is close around a financing for over 1 million. A poor objective is sales numbers are up 40% because you can push sales numbers up, but what if that's also causing a drop in quality? So you need that balance. Another poor objective is raise a series A of 5 million. What the hell does that mean anyway? So you want to be able to make sure that your objectives actually mean something. Here are some tips for objectives. Pick just three to five. More can lead to overextended teams. Avoid expressions that don't push for new achievements. So a mistake people make is keep hiring as an objective. Maintain customer support scores at 50%. Maintain market position. That's BS. Don't do that because it leads to stagnation rather than growth. Third, use expressions that convey endpoints and states. Example, climb the mountain, eat five pies, ship feature Y. As long as you've defined what feature Y is. And finally, use tangible objectives and unambiguous terms. It should be obvious to an observer whether or not an objective has been achieved. And most importantly, 50% stretch. So you want to make sure that 50% of your objectives are stretch goals. Okay? So you've set your core purpose. Now you're going to go from core purpose to objective. Now remember, your five objectives, as I shared with you for Mind Valley, don't have to be measurable yet. You're simply setting up five ways. You're taking your core purpose and breaking it down into greater definition. So our core purpose, raise the consciousness of humanity. Our first objective is hit 1 billion users on our platform. Our second objective is build the world's most transformational learning platform. Our third objective is something along the lines of create a tribe of change makers. So we're getting it more specific. From these objectives, you're going to go deeper into the measurable key results, but we'll do that later. Right now, you're simply going from a core purpose and identifying your five primary objectives. These are the objectives that will align the entire company. And if you work for a company in a particular division, you're going to do this for your division. And I guarantee you, this is going to make you such a freaking powerful leader. I want you to look at your core purpose and now ask yourself, what are three to five objectives I can hit? And you're going to choose a timeline that's meaningful for you. No less than three years, 
no more than 20, three to 20. The reason we picked three to 20, Bill Gates once said, all of us have a tendency to overestimate what we can do in one year and underestimate what we can do in three. So pick three to 20 years. What are three to five objectives you can hit that will help you attain your core purpose? Okay, so mine is an online travel booking site. And my core purpose is to create a strong shift in human consciousness through transformative travel experiences in the areas of personal growth, spirituality, love and relationships, entrepreneurship, cultural immersion and contribution, and music wellness festivals. And a couple of my OKRs are to create a user-friendly tech platform to book transformative travel experiences and flights to accelerate human transformation. Okay, so that works. Your next OKR? To scale to 100 million users. Okay, that works. So great. I like it. So the first one talks about quality, user experience. And later when you go to the key results, you're going to define how to measure user experience. And your second one is scale to 100 million users. That's phenomenal. And later when you go to key results, you're going to define what is a user and what are some stepping stones to get you there. So those are perfect examples. Congratulations. Please give her a round of applause. Thank you. Next. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Blunt. Name of my company is Stitches for Life. The purpose of our company is to create a global ripple of unity by teaching and inspiring people to transform their lives through personal development and spirituality, psychological, emotional, and emotional healing. Two of my OKRs are to create a platform of holistic personal development and to create local learning environments globally. Okay, so create local learning environments globally. Can you define that better? Basically, it's to duplicate what the company is in other places. I guess I need to explain it a little bit more. Right, too. so it just needs some clarity. Okay. okay, and again, remember, what you're creating now is your list of three to five primary objectives. You don't have to add the measurable yet, right? But you still want to make sure that it's easy to understand because your staff has to understand this. Your partners have to understand this. A great principle of OKRs is to make it public. Some of you might remember that Elon Musk wrote two really fascinating blog posts, and this was for Tesla. And what he was really doing was making his OKRs public. He didn't call them OKRs. The post was called Tesla World Domination Plan and Tesla World Domination Plan Part 2. And he basically broke down Tesla's plan to move mankind to alternative fuel. And he wrote down step by step what he was intending to do. He was going to start with a high-end sports car to make electric cars cool and sexy again. Then he's going to gradually drop the price. Then he's going to create a battery factory. Then he's going to drop the price of batteries. Then he's going to let other people copy the battery technology so other car companies could incorporate those batteries. He literally broke it down. And why do you think Tesla right now has this hugely, some people say, inflated stock? Because people are buying into his vision. So even on the stock market, because they so love the vision, they are aligned with the vision because his OKRs are public. Now, Tesla is being rewarded by the attention of the world. So this is why you want to make sure that these five primary objectives are so easy to understand. And if you can make them aspirational, make them aspirational. Like one of us is turn organizations into an oasis of wellness. Now, when we put that on our website, we will actually explain what this means is to make work a phenomenon where you actually get healthier in the companies that are fueled by Mind Valley. 
So you can expand, but you want to make them really, really, really easy to understand and aspirational. They should excite the world, if possible. Anyone else? I actually had to rewrite mine, but the core purpose would be to transform our culture of individualism and encourage collaboration on a personal level to remove isolation and disconnection. Okay, that's great. Now, that was your core purpose? That was the core purpose. Okay, now what are the one or two objectives that you need to hit to get you there? So I want to grow personal empathy and I want to change the culture of individualism. Okay, those are too vague, if I can be honest. Because you said you want to grow personal empathy, but that's not specific enough. How are you growing personal empathy? Because you can do that for one person, and hey, is it mission accomplished? How would you grow personal empathy? How can you make that more tangible? I guess I could add on a larger scale some specification of what it means to have empathy. You could develop a platform for training people on empathy. You could develop a school with X number of students devoted to empathy. You could bring together the world's leading scientists on empathy. Right? So there are many ways you can make it a little bit more tangible. But if you just say, grow personal empathy, it's hard to understand what particular focus you're going through. So remember, an OKR is not a big, hairy, audacious goal. Like Microsoft's big, hairy, audacious goal was put a computer on every desktop. Google's big, hairy, audacious goal is give human beings access to all the world's information. That's a big, hairy, audacious goal, but that's not an OKR. An OKR has to be something that's a little bit more concrete. You're taking your core purpose, and your core purpose can be related to your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal. But your OKR, your primary objectives, have to be the three to five things that you need to pull off in the next three to 20 years to get you to that core purpose. So it has to be a little bit more tangible. Like ours is really tangible. Get a billion people onto our platform. Build the best learning technology in the world. That is a lot more tangible. We're not saying build the best learning in the world. We're saying learning technology so we know what field we are playing in. So you just want to add a little bit more like solidity to that. Okay, next question. I'm in the recruiting and talent industry. The name of my company is Hire Vibe, And our core purpose is to transform work culture to honor the human spirit and innovation by 2030 through our transformational talent recruiting service. I like uh, that. Very well worded. We want to be the ultimate source for hiring conscious, self-aware people. As far as key objectives, unleash 1,000 inspired candidates into fulfilling work by 2020 where their awesome. values and genius is honored. Awesome. That's super clear. Next. Train 100 HR leaders in the Hire Vibe way and deliver 100 beautiful hiring experiencing using next generation technology such as AI and Alexa. Okay, perfect. So now you're getting a little bit more clearer, right? Let's go back to your first primary objective. So observe how it breaks down. Go to your first primary objective. Unleash 100 inspired candidates into fulfilling work by 2021. Okay, so unleash 100 inspired candidates into fulfilling work. So that's the first primary objective, right? Now, when Tariq goes to the key results, he has to make that really measurable. And the key results, so release 1,000 inspired candidates. How many years are you giving yourself for that? Three, Three years. years. Okay, that's great. Now, in our case, what we do is when we do the key results, we're looking one year ahead. So you might break that down into multiple key results, and you're going to do this later. The first key result must be in year one, deadline Jan 1st, 2020, place 200 inspired leaders. And then the second key result might lead to a definition 
what do you mean by an inspired leader? So maybe it might be develop a roadmap or a programming guide to define and train inspired leadership. A third one might be write a book on what it means to be an inspired leader. You're breaking it down. Tell me that objective again. Say it in your words. Unleash 1,000 inspired candidates into fulfilling work by 2020 where their values and genius are honored. Awesome. So another key result there might be bring on 100 companies onto the platform who are seeking candidates. And another one might be define a way to identify the right companies who provide fulfilling work. Okay, so you're going to break that down further. And so your team knows exactly what they need to do one year from now. Now we take it further. We will then go there and we will create a quarterly set of key results. You can follow whatever methodology you like. I like the quarterly sets of key results, but can you guys see how Tariq's core purpose becomes an objective, becomes key results? I'm not saying it's easy. And I bet you still have questions. That's why we have put information out on our podcast. I'm recommending a book list to you. But if you can nail this, guys, you can really accelerate execution in your business. Let's get one more example. I'm Gary Romanek, and it's a software company. And our core purpose would improve upon the value of presentations, no matter the attendee or the presenter, through functionality and innovation. OKRs would be become synonymous with presentations, no matter the content or the objective, and fund and launch our educational foundation for support of disadvantaged children globally. Perfect. Okay, so that's a really good objective. Now, in the next exercise, you're going to pick one or two of your objectives or however many you can get to, and you're going to break that down into three to five key results. So I want to do an example here with Gary. So you want to launch an educational foundation. What would be a key result for this next one year so that you know you're on the right path to launching this educational foundation? It'd be to have the platform successful enough so we'd have the cash flow to be able to support the foundation. Okay, that's vague. What is the platform? What is the cash flow? Would you have a cash flow target for this year? Yes. Okay, what is the cash flow target? Cash flow target for 2019 is 2.5 million. Perfect, okay. Now is that per annum or per month? Per annum, year-end run rate. Got it. So you have the primary objective and what you're doing next is you're adding a measurable key result, attain 2.5 million in annual cash flow so we can fund Initiative X. Okay, do you guys get that? Because what you're going to do now is you're going to take your objective and you're going to create measurable key results. Now to give you an example, I want to just openly share my OKRs for myself as an author. Because I want you to know, this doesn't just apply if you have a company. I have a company, but also on my own, I'm an author published by Penguin Random House. And so I have a team and they run the OKRs for vision as an author. So these are what those OKRs look like. So you can see the first one is create Vision Lakiani's brand as one of the most recognizable in personal growth space. Number two, hit 4 million followers on social media. So these are like three-year OKRs. Number three, make Vision desirable partner, co-creator in personal growth and business space. Number four, launch the Penguin book for company culture. That's the book I have coming out with Penguin. So those are four OKRs. Now, let's look at how those break down. So these four are really the four primary objectives, but each of these would break down to a key result. So we're going to look at the social media one, right? And that is hit 4 million followers. Let's see how that breaks down into a key result because you're going to do the same exercise. So remember, hit 4 million followers on Facebook is a good objective 
for an author. It means I have visibility for my book. But how do we get there? This is the next slide. So, 4 million followers on social media. This is what my team has to focus on for Jan 1st, 2020, and then Jan 1st, 2019. You can see by Jan 1st, 2020, we want to be at 2 million. And then we break it down further. 2 million Facebook, 1 million Instagram, 1 million YouTube. For the podcast, again, we are super specific. Hit 3 million downloads in the podcast with top performing episodes featuring vision and not an event talk. Now, saying 1 million YouTube followers is super measurable because YouTube has a subscribe button. If people are clicking subscribe, that's a follower, right? Now, notice how we go from Jan 1st, 2020 to Jan 1st, 2019. We set the goal for 2019. This year, we want to have 800K followers across social media. You see number three, plan the YT series show of vision. We want to start planning the YouTube series show that I'm launching. However, that I can tell you is a lousy key result because you should never add plan because you can sit down for one hour, scribble a bunch of stuff on a journal and say, hey, I finished planning. So even sometimes in our OKRs, we make mistakes. Number two, have consistent posting on Medium, LinkedIn, and YouTube. That would be weak, except that we added 2x a week minimum. So now there's definition. And number four, hit a total of 1 million downloads in the podcast and have vision content repurposed in every platform. That has one flaw with it. It doesn't define every platform. See, a key result must be non-debatable. Is every platform Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube? Does it include Twitter? Does it include Medium? What exactly do we mean by every platform? It's not 100% non-debatable. So we would have to add in brackets what we mean by every platform. So if you're an author, this would be an example of how you would give direction to your social media team. So your social media team now knows exactly what they need to do. And in fact, this is a pretty good set of key results that you could use for any company if you're leveraging social media. So again, feel free to copy it. And if you become one of my fan or followers, awesome, you helped me get there. So this is what you're going to do next. You're going to take a big objective, such as hit 4 million followers on social media and break it down into key results. Now, here are some tips for developing your key results. Determine around three to five. That's number one. Number two, your key results must express measurable milestones, which if achieved, will directly advance the objective. Number three, key results should describe outcomes, not activities. If the OKR includes words like consult, help, analyze, participate, they are describing activities. Instead, describe the impact of these activities. Example, publish customer service satisfaction levels by March 7, rather than assess customer service satisfaction. And number four, measurable milestones should include evidence of completion, and this evidence should be available, credible, easily discoverable. What this means is that your team should be able to see how they are doing. So they should be able to go to your YouTube account and see the number of followers you've gotten. Or maybe you're using Google Analytics and they can see how many visitors they're getting to the website. The evidence must be there for everyone to see. So here's an example of what it looks like when you put it all together. Let's say you have an objective that says customers consistently find our products useful. As an objective alone, that doesn't mean squat unless you also add key result one, two, and three, which would be 80% of customers consistently find our product useful True, whatever survey mechanism you're using. 50% of new users return after two weeks. Now see, you're starting to define useful. And three, churn rate, which means customers leaving you, is under 2% this quarter. So you see how something that is aspirational, customers consistently find our products useful, 
still has to be broken down into non-debatable key results, which are supremely measurable. Everybody got that? This is your next step. Pick one or two objectives and break them down into anywhere from three to five key results each. So now if you've done this exercise right, you should have at least some greater clarity on your core purpose, followed by objectives to help you get there, followed by greater clarity on the key results to drive towards these objectives. Okay, now we're going to do some sharing. So my purpose is to uh, unify humanity by crossing cultural barriers with art and music. One of my OKRs was three to five staff that help alleviate all the things I have to do and so I can be an artist to create content to unify humanity. I delineated that to a manager to handle strategic mission-aligned partnerships, to manage a team of people who support social media, content creation, and distribution, a, quote, general who respects the sacred integrity of our artistry but also has business development skills to scale impact, median and content curation team who release one newsletter every three weeks. So I'm glad you brought that example up. So that actually works pretty well. You have an objective, which is to grow the team by three people, and then you broke each of those roles down into an individual key result. That's fantastic. You can do that. One of the other ways you can do it is to figure out what is the end goal? Like, why do you want this three people? What are they hoping to get you towards? And then make that the objective instead. And so your hiring is simply just something that corresponds to your key results. My critique there is that you may be chasing a means goal rather than the end goal. What if you don't need these three people? What if there's a software that would replace one of these roles? Or what if there is one person who's just super freaking genius? So again, you may be looking to means rather than looking towards the end goal. And this is why if you're setting an objective, you want to think at least three years ahead. You see, this will immediately fail the three years ahead test because you could hire those people in one year. And if it's taking you three years to hire those people, then something is wrong with your hiring strategy. So I would say that you're thinking right, you're planning, but this is more a subset of objectives for whoever is in your HR division, but it wouldn't be one of your company-wide objectives. Make sense? Yeah, thank you. Okay, next. Hello, so my name's Mo, and I have an e-commerce makeup company, Organic. And my objective is a customer satisfaction rating of 90% and a lower return rate. And my subsets are 90% with a five-star aggregate among follow-up emails. So all 90% of follow-up emails will have a five-star Phenomenal. rating. We'll have a return rate of less than 3% across all of our sales platforms. Phenomenal. And 60% of returning customers after 60 days. Great. That's a fantastic example. It's super clear, super measurable. And it's something that is a slightly longer term goal. It's probably not going to take you one year. Maybe you will. So sometimes you can set a key result for three years and hey, if you achieve it in one year, that's great. But you don't want to set your primary objective to be something that's achievable too soon because then it means you're not stretching yourself enough. Cool. Next. Hi, my name is Alika. So my core purpose was to improve our customers' health by creating awareness education, and exciting healthy food. One of my key objectives was to be listed in every review in Singapore as number one for the top healthy restaurants. And my breakdown of that is adding four editors a month to our PR mailing list, sending one information update, an emailer 
once a month to do one tasting session invite quarterly to the mailing list and to grow to over 5,000 followers on our Instagram account by 2019. Phenomenal. Those are really good key results. But your objective did have one thing that I would question. You said every publication. How would your team know what is classified under every publication? Right? So you may need to get clearer there. But otherwise, you did that perfectly. You had your primary objective and you broke that down into four measurable key results, which will give clarity to your team. Awesome job. Thank you. Hi. Hi. My name is Jihad. So my core purpose is to bring forward the world of peace and unity by ending religious wars and conflicts. Okay, that's a massive core purpose. The first objective? The main OKR that I see is by spreading spiritual enlightenment to the mainstream and liberating people from religious dogma. Okay. And the way I see that is through creating program that tells stories of religions that can really awaken people to the essence of spirituality that is behind them. Got it. So that's your first key result. Correct. A platform to create stories of religion. But how do you measure it? Remember, a key result has to be numerically measured. So a program that is online, that is accessible by millions of people, that becomes a mainstream classic to teach people about these specific topics of religion and spirituality. Okay. So it's an online program. It's a bad key result. I'm just being honest here. If you want to create an online program to elevate people's religious views to the next level, that's doable. But you said accessible by a million people. The problem is a million people can access it. Doesn't mean they're actually going to be watching it. You want to measure the number of users. And then is this free or are people paying you for it? So you could say 1 million users paying $10 a month with an 80% completion rate. You have to get that specific. Otherwise, you won't know if you're winning. Right. I haven't got there yet. In the right. Region. So yeah. you want to get more specific. It's a noble goal. Now, the other thing is, if you said you want to end religious wars, is that really too big an objective? Because that's changing the course of human history. And if you want to do that, you probably can't settle for a million people. You probably need 5 billion people on that. Yeah, I truly believe so. Because I come from the Middle East where I see that every day. It's where I grew up. But I also was lucky enough to be liberated from that. And it's so much in my heart to feel it's possible to end and it is our duty to do so. Completely agree. Completely agree. But if your objective becomes too big, you create a credibility gap. And you cannot suggest that ending religious wars will come with this one platform. Even if you got 5 billion people on that platform... Are you 100% sure that that would prevent future religious wars? So the problem that may be happening there is that you may be confusing your big, hairy, audacious goal with the primary objective, right? So you may need to take a step down a bit. And that step down could be train a million people on world-centric religion. That's the company-wide objective one. A key result for that might be get a million users on platform X by this date. Ensure an 80% completion rate from the users who start the program. Measure the true self-assessment score, a user's world-centric tendencies towards their spiritual beliefs. You gotta break it down a little bit more to be tangible, okay? But it's a noble goal. Please give Jihad a round of applause. Thank you. Next. Hi. Um, we develop psychometric testing okay. as a psychological framework for the cyberkinetic integration of human beings and AI. 
So we would like to formalise that as the standard in cycling. Okay, so testing. that's your core purpose? No, that's our objective. Okay. And then so the first thing is, I've no idea what that means. Remember, design your objective so the public can understand what it is. Well, it's just set the standard in psychometric testing. So at the moment, we're overhauling basically machine understanding of, of a profile of a human being. Okay. So notice even the way you're explaining it to me, you're hesitating and there are ums and there are pauses. And I'm meaning this as compassionate criticism, yeah. but you need to get crystal clear. The public doesn't know what psychometric testing is. Some of the public may not even know what AI is. You're getting too complex. It's very different to say what you're saying versus, say, having an objective that says, get a billion users onto the platform. It's easy to understand. Explain it now in your own words. But my advice to you is you got to go, maybe work with someone who's a writer and get it more structured. So explain it now in your own words as the objective. Okay, but what if our objective is not externalized? Obviously, it's the finalization of technology, yeah? So at the moment, we've developed the DARE technology, which is just basically a deception analyst reasoning engine. You still completely lost me. So what I want to urge you to do is maybe at this AFES, sit down with a few people, run them through your objectives, and ask them, do you understand this? And then as you get the feedback, tweak it and tweak it and tweak it till it becomes something that's really crystal clear. And don't worry, what you are experiencing is something that a lot of visionaries have. Because when you're such a visionary, especially if you're working in fields such as AI, you will see things that other people don't even understand are happening in the world. But the downside of that is sometimes it's harder to explain. So what I'd say is, let's not go into the key results because if we don't fully understand the objective, the key results are irrelevant. But right now, what I want you to work on is to find people here whom you connect with and ask them if they truly understand what you're writing down so you can make it crystal clear. And we'll take one more example. So I'm starting with the core purpose of to elevate humanity to a mental and physical well-being by getting people to embody and align their inner and outer lives through somatic intelligence bodywork, impacting wellness, performance, and satisfaction in families, communities, and corporations. Okay. Now my OKR, one of them, to integrate the somatic intelligence knowledge into wellness programs in Fortune 500 companies, reducing attrition and health problems by 40%. Amazing. That's a great objective. So Hen Lizra, she's one of our speakers, by the way, she's saying she wants to integrate somatic intelligence in Fortune 100 companies to increase the well-being of employees. That's a great objective. Now, what would be a key result that would contribute there? Develop and test a wellness program that reduces attrition and stress with a minimum of 90% success rate. Amazing. Very measurable. Notice, numerically measured. Partner with 10 Fortune 500 companies within one year. Perfect. Perfect. Again, numerically measured starts with a verb. The end result is a series of tasks. Answers, how do I know I achieved my outcome? How will I know I've been successful? Super simple. Partner with 100 companies by the end of the year. Okay, so that's great. Please give Hen Lizra a round of applause. So final tips, know that this is an ongoing process. And as we go through AFES, we'll go deeper. I'll come back to this and we'll fine-tune and fine-tune and fine-tune. Definitely read the book, Measure What Matters. Of all the books I listed out, Measure What Matters is probably the top book I would recommend for OKRs. And in Measure What Matters, you know, one of the things that John Dower says is sometimes the right key result surfaces weeks or months after a goal is put into play. OKRs are inherently works in progress, not commandments chiseled in stone. You're not writing down the Ten Commandments here. So everything you write down, you notice even my OKRs, as I put them up there, I pointed out some flaws that I have to go back with my team and fix. And it's going to be the same for you. You go back to OKRs. Typically, it could take up to six months to one year 
for your company to fully get tight on your OKRs. But by asking the right questions, does this bring clarity? Is this easy to understand? Does this allow me to know what me as a team leader need to do this quarter? you slowly get better and better and better at it. But overall, I can tell you, this has been a system that has been transformative for us at Valley. So I'm excited to introduce it to you. So thank you. Hope you guys like this. And don't forget to go back and go deep with these OKRs. And then when you guys have these OKRs ready, be public about them. Put them on your website, share them on the AFES tribe. And you never know, the right OKRs will attract the right people to you. They will make your mission more tangible. They will bring you the right partners, the right investors, the right employees. You want to be public about your OKRs. And that is really the secret that people like Elon Musk do to get so many people aligned with the Tesla and the SpaceX vision. Thank you, guys. Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.